Welcome to Unlocking the Hidden Value of Your Life Insurance with Mark Murky and Rob Haney from Life Insurance Settlements. This show is designed to help retirees and their advisors understand the basics of a life settlement. In this podcast, we show you how to get more from the sale of your life insurance policy versus lapse or surrender, and how using life settlements can increase assets under management. Mark and Rob ignite conversations on how to look for opportunities and navigate the life settlement process so you and your clients can enjoy a comfortable retirement. Now on to the show. Hello and welcome to Unlocking the Hidden Value of Your Life Insurance with your hosts, Mark Murky and Rob Haney. Mark and Rob, how are you guys? Doing great today. Doing great. Fantastic. It is good to be back with you for the listener. If you are just joining us for the very first time, this is the second podcast. That first podcast, we really covered who these guys are, a little bit about their history, how they got into the profession that they're in right now. Um, And we told the audience last time that we were going to dive into kind of how this whole thing works uh, with surrendering your life insurance, but you you don't surrender it, right? What, What do you do instead of surrendering it? You have it appraised. You see what the secondary market for life insurance may want to pay for that policy over and above your policy cash surrender. And and here's what I've learned so far is that what really has been bothering me is that people don't know about this. It's just not something that's out there uh, in in the public eye. Uh, And that's why you guys have created this podcast. You want to educate folks. And I just think about my own parents. Um, if, if they didn't know there was a possibility and that their premium got too expensive and they may just say, I can't pay it anymore and, and just let it go and lose all the value that they could have possibly had. So I'm really excited to be doing this uh, with you today. Where do we start with this? I, I know that last time you said that there, there's a couple different ways people do this, whether they have their own personal policies or maybe there's business owners that they have policies in place, business partners have policies in place. It, it seems like it, it's pretty widely used in a different bunch of different ways. So let, let's cover those. Yeah, you know, I've got a really good case uh, case study when you talk about a retiring executive or a business executive. Maybe it's a key man policy, and right. this is a this is a scenario that we see literally every single day come across our desk. And this particular case history was it was a gentleman who was seventy nine years old. He had partners in this business that they owned, and he decided, hey, it's time to retire. I'm seventy nine years old. Uh, we're going to move on from the business, and he had this four million dollar universal life policy which most people, 90% of the time, you know, you mentioned that people don't understand or don't know about the life settlement. In this Mm -hmm. instance, you know, this guy was literally close to surrendering his $4 million policy for 90 grand. That was his cash surrender value from his carrier, which he looked down and said, oh, I guess that's not bad. That's what I should do. Well, out of the blue, an advisor came to him and say, hold on, you know, there's this industry out there, the life settlement industry that will appraise your policy for free, And we'll get into more of what it takes to appraise a policy. But this industry will appraise your policy for free. There's buyers, institutional buyers that exist that want to purchase your policy. You're retiring from the business. You don't need it anymore. The business doesn't want to pay premiums on it anymore. So instead of just taking that 90 grand on this $4 million universal life policy, go have it appraised. Well, in this instance, he brought the case, the policy to us. Uh, We went through the steps, which we'll get into here in a little bit. And we got a settlement amount for four hundred and twenty-five grand for Jeez. this particular client. And you look at that; he was ready to walk away with ninety grand because that's all he knew. No one had told him that, hey, you mm-hmm. can have your policy appraised in what's known as a life settlement. Brought it to us. We went through the steps. He walked away with four hundred and twenty-five thousand dollars. 
And that is, you know, I mentioned it, that's the bread and butter of our industry. Universal life policies probably make up around 70 to 75% of sales in the life settlement industry. So those instances or that instance right there, every single day we see them. Universal life policy that a client has simply said, I don't need it anymore, whether it was owned by the business or whether it was owned by the individual, doesn't matter. You have the right to have the policy appraised. And in this instance, you walked away with, you know, four times the carrier's cash surrender value. Yeah, that's <laughs> that's amazing. I mean, that that's that's huge, and it from my understanding, it didn't cost them anything. Costs them zero, and we'll get into that if we want to discuss it. The appraisal process is free, yeah, uh, and I, I, I we can touch base on that whenever you like. Right now, um, <laughs> I mean, let's, yeah. I mean, because anybody listening is going to be like, okay, how long does it take? What are the mm -hmm. steps? What is my involvement? What are other people going to be doing for me? Do I have to hire a lawyer? Do I have to do <laughs> all these different things? Right? There's all these questions. So let's break it down. What do we have to do? Sure. So to answer your question, Eric, the answer is all the above. The client is in complete control of this of this process. Mark alluded to the fact that it, it's a free non-binding appraisal. That's in fact what it is. But I, when, it, when I was listening to Mark, uh, I was pretending I was a listener on the podcast, I started to think about an old quote of 100% of all the putts left short of the hole don't go in. And the same could be applied to a life settlement. 100% of, of the life settlement opportunities not pursued result in you taking the cash surrender value or in worst case, mm -hmm. letting the policy lapse for nothing. Mark gave an incredible example of, of, of a difference between what the client would have received and what in fact he did receive because of, of the life settlement process. Over the course of the past three decades, we have examples where clients were going to throw the policy away. They had actually bled the cash value out of the policy, keeping the policy alive, paying the premiums. And when that was exhausted, they were about to let the policy lapse only to have a financial planner or a life insurance agent step in and receive seven figures on life insurance policies, $10 million faces, $2.7 million that were getting ready to let the policy lapse for no Jeez. money at all. So that's why we recommend, since it's free, to take the time that's necessary to go through the process uh, of what it is, what it entails to get a life settlement, uh, life insurance policy properly appraised in the settlement market. It's not, it's not as cumbersome as other people like to make it believe. We do have to deal with some outside forces, such as insurance companies getting proper illustrations and and uh, verifications of coverage, as well as dealing with doctors' offices and medical records, which could take some time to acquire. But once we do that, it begins to pick up the pace. And those offers are generated and relayed to the advisor and or to the client directly. And Mark, I think you can touch on that a little bit better. Yeah, I'll go through the exact steps. And everything in a life settlement appraisal, it starts with a phone call. The first step is a phone call, whether you're a consumer or an advisor representing your consumer. It starts with a phone call into my office and talking to us about your case. And I'm always going to ask the, the consumer or the advisor the same four or five questions. Number one, how old are you? Are you over the age of 60, 65? Number two, tell me about your health, just in standard general format. Are you insurable, uninsurable? Are you rated? Whatever it may be. And then we're going to get into the policy itself. Tell me about the premiums. Tell me about the cash surrender value on the policy. And from those four or five questions, I can tell you right then or right then and there on the phone that, yeah, you're going to make a good prospect and let's send an application out to you. Or it may tell you, no, you're not a good prospect and here's why. But if we get to the stage where we say, yeah, we've got a, a good client here that we feel is going to get, uh, get a life settlement offer, the next step is an application is sent out to that client. It does include a HIPAA authorization that allows my firm mm -hmm. to collect medical records over the last five years. 
And it's important to note that your client, or if you are the client, you do not have to go to the doctor's office to get a life settlement appraisal. Our buyers are simply looking at the last five years of that client's medical record. So as a life settlement broker, that's my job. I take our application. It is a state-approved, regulated application. It has a HIPAA authorization on there, allows us to collect the medical records, which we do. Those medical records are then sent to underwriters across the industry for what we call life expectancy reports. Now, we also include policy illustrations, annual reports, and a copy of the policy to the buyer. So those things right there, medical records, eventual life expectancy reports, illustration, copy of the policy, annual report, are all things that we obtain through our office. Those are sent to the multiple buyers that exist in the life settlement industry. Again, if you're going to do an appraisal, make sure that you put all of the buyers in the same room. That's what a broker will do for you. You don't want to take your prior to, uh, your policy to one buyer and say, well, I got it appraised, one buyer. Kind of silly. Like I mentioned in our last episode, if you're going to sell your house and you put that for sale sign in your front yard, and two weeks later, you open your front door and you have 15 buyers right there wanting to buy your house, what are you going to do? Are you going to take a bid from one of them or are you going to invite them all in? and create a bidding scenario. And that's what we do for our clients. We create a bidding scenario. So that information is given to the buyers. They all do their underwriting, life expectancy reporting, and then the bidding starts to take place. And once we get to that last bidder, or it's called provider, that's a buyer, that's the offer that we deliver to our client. That process typically takes us about four to five, four to six weeks to put the appraisal together. So in that time, again, we're collecting medical information, policy information, sent it to the buyers. The buyers begin to do their underwriting, life expectancy reporting, which we do share with our client. I think it's important to let them know their mortality underwriting. And then that high offer is delivered to the client. And then it's completely up to the client at that point in time. If they like the offer, we're going to move forward. If they don't like the offer, that's fine. Tuck the offer away in your file and you know that on July 1st of 2022, here's what the value of your policy was in the secondary market, your life settlement appraisal. No one was billed for it. We took care of the cost of the medical records. We took care of the cost of the life expectancy reporting. We took care of all those costs. But if you are interested, now we move to the contract process, which again, it's a very simple contract. Well, I'm going to rewind that. Simple. <laughs> um, our industry, <laughs> the contract process is... Uh, I'd like to say it's simple, but the regulators, the lawyers, everyone involved have made the contract similar to selling your home. Mm -hmm. 30, 40 pages of uh, signatures, not 30 or 40 pages of signatures, 30 to 40 pages of contract information, about 12 to 15 signatures. A notary does need to see and stamp off on those. But the closing process and the actual contracts, they take a little bit of time to sit down with your client and sign them. So I tell folks, take a deep breath, realize this is kind of like selling your house. This is an asset, just like your house. This is your life insurance. You're going to have to sign off on several pages. Once that contract's returned to us, it usually takes us another two to three weeks to wrap up the finalized contract and present our client with that offer that we delivered in the appraisal. So all said and told from day one to the final time when your client or you get your check, you know, we're looking at a, you know, it's a, a six weeks process for the appraisal and then add another three weeks or so for the closing. So I'll add all that up. You know, you're looking at a couple of months for sure. All right. So let's give me an example. You gave me mm -hmm. one example earlier of the, the business owner. Mm -hmm. Um, Give me another example, somebody who maybe just had a personal life insurance policy that wasn't sure. tied to business. It was just something that they purchased to you know, protect their family. 
Sure. I'll give you an outstanding one. Term insurance. How many how many people out there own term insurance? You buy term insurance because it is a very cheap and mm-hmm. simple option. Whether you're buying your term policy in your 40s or 50s or 60s, doesn't matter. Term is a very good option to cover your family for a very uh, cheap premium exposure. So I have a case here that this was presented to us I think it was last year. It's really one of my favorite term, uh, convertible term scenarios. And what I mean by that is when you buy a term policy, whether it's 10, 15, or 20 years, you get to that final year. In this case, it was a 10-year term coverage. And this client was 73 years old, owned a $10 million prudential term policy. Now, in our industry, you can appraise a policy, whether it's $100,000 death benefit or in this case, $10 million, or all the way up to $50 million, everything in between. In this case, the client owned a $10 million term policy, was nearing the final year of that 10-year coverage, and said, all right, I don't need this policy anymore. It's done what I needed it to do. And at that point in time, you really had a few options. You could convert that term policy to a permanent coverage. Usually, it's universal life coverage. And those term premiums going from term to a universal life or a permanent policy, they're going to be substantially higher. In this case, he was paying, I think, around ten dollars to $15,000 a year for the term coverage, again, on $10 million. And if he wanted to convert it, his premiums are going to be four hundred eighty grand. He said, nope, not oh, going geez. to do that. <laughs> not going to do that. Wow. Like significantly higher. And he did have other coverage. So this term policy was just kind of a, a gap to cover him for 10 years. Now, he also could have paid what are called annual renewable term premiums after that 10th year. Now, those start to get expensive. So instead of paying his 10 or 15 grand a year for 10 years, in the 11th year, it goes to 20. In the 12th year, it might go to 30. In the 13th year of annual renewable term premiums, it can go to 50 or 60. So those premium schedules get really out of sight. Mm -hmm. So what happens? 85% 85% of the time, these are real numbers, 85% of the time, a client will let a term policy lapse for zero value. Term policies do not build up cash surrender. They're cheap products to keep you covered for a certain amount of time, but they do not build up cash surrender. So when you lapse or terminate that coverage, you get zero. Well, his other option in this case, he had an advisor come to him and said, wait, don't just let that policy lapse. You're 73 year old. Uh, 73 years old, you have some minor health ailments. He wasn't on his deathbed or anything like that, had high blood pressure, cholesterol, things like that. Go have it appraised. Well, long story short, we took this policy out to all the buyers in the market, did our back and forth negotiations, and the client walked away with $550,000 for a term policy he was getting ready to surrender for zero. Now, you want to make your clients happy introduce them to a life settlement appraisal on a term policy. It's the easiest thing in the world. And in this case, client walked away with a half a million dollars for a policy that was worth zero. Now, where it gets even more interesting, this particular advisor who mentioned this to his clients said, hey, don't just surrender it. Go find a life settlement mm-hmm. company to, uh, to help you with the appraisal. The advisor gets to take part in the term conversion compensation. What do I mean by that? The minute a buyer buys a term policy, during the contract process, they're going to convert it over to that permanent policy. And we make the agent, the agent of record on that scenario. So in this case, the buyer is going to immediately convert it. They begin to make premiums on the now converted universal life policy. Well, when you do that, a commission is paid out by the life insurance carrier. And in this case, the agent got to take part 
in the term conversion compensation commission, which the target premium, that's the amount of premium you have to put in each year to convert from term to universal life. That target premium was $480,000. The advisor took part in that commission. Wow. And it gets even sweeter. The advisor knew that the client got a half a million dollars, 550 grand to be exact. That advisor was the first one in front of the client who knew the client just got a half a million dollars. And guess what he did? He said, Mr. Client, let's sit down and let's look at a very safe option to invest your money into. Mm -hmm. That option was an annuity. Put his client into annuity for a half a million dollars. And as we all know, annuities do pay a commission. So you look at a scenario in that particular instance, again, one of my favorite scenarios, client could have walked away with zero, got a half a million dollars. The advisor got to take part in term conversion compensation of several hundred thousand dollars. And now that advisor got to sit down with his client because he knew the client just received settlement proceeds. He helped the client reinvest those proceeds into a better financial product that suited his client's needs. So that term policies get overlooked all the time. And if you're an advisor, you need to keep an eye out for those. They have to be within their conversion period or just at that final year before you have to convert. Yeah. And, and let me let me just back up for a minute because <clears throat> what I maybe I just want to make sure I'm doing my math right here. So the client roughly it was a 10-year term from what Correct. you said, right? Correct. And his premium was around twenty-five thousand dollars a year. I think it was ten to fifteen thousand. Oh, ten to fifteen, for, that's right. Yeah, for the term coverage of that 10 million. Correct. So let's say it was on the high side, 15. You said 10 to 15. Let's call it mm -hmm. 15. Over 10 years, he paid $150,000. Correct. And what did he get? <laughs> he gets zero. Yeah, no, he mean, gets zero if he walks away and lets it lapse. And in this instance, $550,000. That's a pretty good investment. <laughs> outstanding. I mean, outstanding. 150 in, 550 out. I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm good with this. I could... Yeah. So, and so Eric, Eric, let me jump in because yeah. it's important to remember is this is an agent who is aware of life settlements and all the good that comes with it. So not only did he help the client, yeah. but he helped himself. Uh, mm -hmm. What is happening and, and it continues to happen is there are agents, advisors across America who actually know the settlement option exists and they choose not to get involved for one bad reason after another. Yeah. <laughs> and what we see coming down the pike is, you know, they always seem to run in their ads that they're fiduciaries and they do the act in the best interest of their clients. Well, in this scenario, they don't. Um, and we always envision, and there has been some cases where uh, plaintiff's lawyers have come in to large organizations that take this approach, tried some with carriers, some large broker dealers, and said, you can't say in good conscience to your client that there are no option exists when you're asked. Yeah. Uh, what are my options now? If they're not asked, then that's you can probably be, can probably overlook that. But if you're not taking a proactive position and discussing this with your clients, you're missing the opportunity that Mark just out, uh, laid out for you in terms of just this one term policy that was going to be thrown away for no money turns into a half a million dollars and an investment in annuity. And the rest is history. Now, do you think that client that, that got that money told anybody about the life settlement process? You bet he did. Mm -hmm. uh, and that's what we're seeing more and more of is the referrals that come from this type of scenario. And I'll add something to that. I think a lot of times that, you know, advisors out there feel that they have to be the one who wrote the client the coverage to enter into a life settlement. No, you don't. You can be any financial advisor. And I think like the... 
the wirehouses, I'll call them, or your true, uh, the Morgan Stanleys of the world or Raymond James, those, those advisors are missing so many opportunities. They don't have to know much about insurance at all. They can know very little. But if they're the one that tells their client, like in this instance, just tells their client, hey, don't just let that policy lapse. Go have it appraised in a life settlement appraisal. Here, let me introduce you to a life settlement broker. Here's his name, number, yada, yada. Those advisors are missing the boat, whether you're through a broker dealer or registered investment advisory, you don't have to be an insurance expert to mention the life settlement option to your client. Yeah. You simply have to be the one that says, hey, let's look into this further. This appraisal's free. You're gonna they're gonna come back with a number to you that either you're gonna like or you're not. You're not bound by any life settlement appraisal. You can take the offer or you can tuck it away and look at it a year or two or three years from now. But it's important that you don't have to be just an insurance expert. You can be anyone, a CPA, an estate planning attorney, a registered investment advisor, a consumer direct, whoever it is, to get involved in a life settlement appraisal process. So I want to stop there because you just brought up four or five professionals that I've worked with advisors for a very long time. And the best advisors are the ones that say, I don't do your taxes. I'm not going to do your, your tax returns. I have somebody in my bench, right? In my network that is an expert in taxes. I know what you should be doing to be most tax efficient, but I'm not the one doing all the paperwork for that side of things. Let me introduce you to so-and-so. I am not an estate planning attorney, right? I don't write trusts. I don't do this A, B, and C. I have an expert in my, in my network or on my bench that does this. That's all, that's all I'm hearing from you, right? An advisor doesn't need to do any of that work. They just need to be able to say, by the way, I know that there is an industry out there that we can talk to and it's free. Is that what I'm hearing? I mean, that, that's, what I'm, that's what I'm getting from this. Correct. Um, we are the experts in yep. this space. We are the life settlement experts. We have 25 plus years experience. We're the experts that will make you look like the experts. Mm -hmm. That's the that's the truth of the matter. We're the group that's going to take this policy and do a comprehensive review of why it makes sense to sell the policy or perhaps not. Sometimes we come back on our review and we have shortened life expectancies and we have to reveal that to our client and say, hey, maybe your client wants to hold on to this policy. Again, as Rob mentioned earlier, this is a free non-binding appraisal of an asset that you can have appraised at any time in the secondary market that's made up of institutional buyers that want to purchase your policy based on certain parameters. Rob, I'm not trying to pick a fight here, my brother, uh, but something you said triggered me a little bit um, and I want to go back to it. What are the excuses that you're hearing from, and if you don't want to cover this, we don't have to cover this in this podcast, but what are some of the excuses that you're hearing from advisors that don't do this? Because it seems well, silly to me. It, it is silly. So Mark and I are in front of advisors a lot at various trade shows across the country, and you'll see certain people have some type of a attitude against our marketplace, not just us and our company, but the marketplace in general. They may have read an article on the internet in 2006. Mm. They made an article in 1997. Uh, they read, they heard something from somebody at lunch uh, and they come away with this attitude such as, oh, this business is ghoulish. Uh, this business is not for me because I don't get involved in something that's unregulated. Well, we're, we're in a business that's regulated by 43 states 
which represents about 93% of the U.S. population. Um, so to say that in 2023 is makes me laugh. And unfortunately, it injures their clients. Mm -hmm. So they come up with because they sometimes they think it's either beyond their capabilities or because they don't understand it, they don't get involved. And to Mark's point, we do everything for you. Think of us as your back office, a door at the back of your office that you take a lifetime opportunity into, drop it off, and we walk out and hand it back to you with the result. Mark touched on something else, which is very important. We show them what their policy is worth. Now, Mark talked about they may have a shortened life expectancy, and they, they and we recommend they keep the policy because it makes more sense. We also have scenarios where people think they're healthier than they've ever been, or no, this isn't going to work, and then we should all of a sudden show them on a on a policy that maybe has a cash value of two hundred thousand dollars that their policy would net an offer somewhere north of a million bucks. Instantaneously, that policy becomes very valuable to that client. Mm-hmm. Now that client holds on to policy because that person is in a situation where he or she can continue to maintain the premiums and they may forecast down the road two or three that they'd like to sell it then. That's their choice. That doesn't necessarily mean they're going to get more money, less money. We don't know, but at least they have the ammunition necessary to make that decision. Whereas they would have ordinarily, had they not gone through the process, probably surrendered the policy for about an eighth of what it was they could possibly get in the market. Yeah. I, I, okay. And and drawing off of an example, Mark, you gave earlier, mm-hmm. uh, this is, this is, uh, it's like real estate. I mean, it's, this is valuable, right? Um, Correct. here's the thing is that I, I just sold a house last year. We were talking about this before we ever hit the record button today and taking it to the market. It was a feeding frenzy because it was the, at the high of the market, but I'll tell you what, there, there was no company out there offering me a free appraisal for my home. There was nobody that would come in and inspect my home, look at everything, you know, go through every bit of the house, all the paperwork that they need to go through and give me a free appraisal just to let me know what they thought the value of it was. I, I don't know of any industry that would really do that. And so it kind of surprises me that you do. I mean, I, I and it, it doesn't because I understand that you guys get paid for what you do in the long run. Uh, and so the ones that you don't, you know, that you come back and say, hey, it's probably not a good idea for them to take this to the open market. They should probably keep this policy or this isn't a good fit or whatever far outweighs or, or the, the, the other side of it outweighs it where you guys are getting this job done, getting people, you know, cash for something that would have been worth nothing. And that's how you guys make your money. I want to add yeah. one thing. I want to add one thing um, to, to that. And this is the other thing that I think is probably one of the most underutilized statistics about our marketplace, but I like to say it because I was armed with it when I heard it for the very first time. Um, through the industry association that we're members of, and I serve on the board, we track consumer complaints across America, not only in our industry, in our market, but in other markets that are closely aligned with ours. In the last five years, the life settlement marketplace, that's just not my company, but all the companies that comprise the market. We have zero consumer complaints in all 50 states right now, the last that's five crazy. years. And the answer to the reason why is we're only giving people more money than they could otherwise get <laughs> yeah. to the other inferior options. So there are yeah. very few people complaining about less money. Yeah, and I'll add to that. We don't get consumer complaints and you don't get 
lawsuits, if you want to bring that up, because everyone that's attached to the policy will sign off on this transaction. What do I mean by that? Well, if you're the insured, you're going to sign off saying, hey, I'm selling my policy. If you're the beneficiary, maybe you're the kids, husband, wife, whatever it is, you're going to sign off on this transaction saying, yes, mom and dad, husband, wife selling this policy. I'm okay with it. If you're the trustee of a trust-owned policy, mm. you will sign off on the life settlement transaction. So everyone that's involved, when you do a life settlement appraisal and you move forward with the eventual sale, anyone and everyone that's attached to the policy will sign off on the transaction. That way, a year or two or five years down the road can't go by and go, wait a second, you sold mom and dad's policy, I want to sue you. Well, no, you can't. You signed off on the transaction. Mm -hmm. And again, if you're the trustee of a trust-owned policy, you have a fiduciary obligation. So you can look down and say, well, here are our options. We can keep the policy in place. We could take a loan. Well, here was the life settlement option. Well, we went with that. We signed off on that. So we don't get complaints for that very reason that everyone that is involved in the transaction will sign off. They're okay with the transaction and the transaction moves forward. Yeah. Gentlemen, this has been a ton of great information. Uh, we're running low on time. We may have a little more time for one more story if you've got it, if you've got another example that you want to give the audience. Um, but other than that, if there's anything else you want to cover, let me know. Yeah, I've got a great option that that a lot of um, people aren't quite aware of yet. It's called the retained death benefit option or what's called a paid up policy option. And what I mean by that, in a typical life settlement transaction, most of the time, the client simply walks away with a check. They go bring their mm -hmm. policy for appraisal and they get their $50,000, $500,000 check and they walk away and they're happy. We now have what's called a retained death benefit option. I'll go over a quick case uh, case study right here. We had a 90-year-old client. She was a female. She came to us, owned a $4 million Sun Life policy. She had taken out to cover her estate plan. She had four children. She wanted to leave each of the kids some money. And the policy was set up on a trust. And the children had been paying a portion of those ongoing premiums, which were around three hundred grand a year. Now, unfortunately, the policy had not formed to expectations. The cash surrender was zero, which for a $4 million what? policy, you're not happy. Too wow. often, the cost of insurance may have gone up. The policy itself has, you know, it has a cost to keep that policy. And in this case, it was a $4 million policy and had zero cash surrender. The clients or the kids, they wanted to keep the policy in force, but they had a problem making these premium payments. Mm -hmm. So the advisor who came to us, I said, hey, let's look at, since they don't need the cash, she's 90 years old, they do want to have some coverage left. So I said, let's look at a retained death benefit option. So we're able to take that policy, collect medical records, life expectancy supporting, same thing we do on every case, present it to the multiple buyers. You do have multiple buyers that can do what's called a retained death benefit option. And in this case, we were able to go out on that $4 million policy. And instead of giving the kids, I think we could have given a million in cash, we gave them a $2 million retained death benefit offer, meaning the buyer's gonna take over the policy. The buyer's now contracted, they're obligated to make all future premiums on that policy for the life of the policy, whether the client lives two years or 10 years, doesn't matter. They're contracted to make those premiums. And in exchange, instead for cash, the million dollars the kids could have gotten, they took a $2 million retained death benefit. So the buyer's gonna take that policy, make all future premiums, and then the beneficiary is listed at the carrier. It's an irrevocable beneficiary designation at the carrier level. So when this particular client passes away, again, whether it's two years or 10 years down the road, the carrier automatically knows that, hey, a beneficiary is listed on this policy for 50%. 
that beneficiary is going to get $2 million of this policy. And then actually we're able to get an additional hundred grand in cash to one of the sons who wanted a little bit of cash. So a great option for those clients that need some coverage, but they're having a problem making premium payments, premium exposures become an obligation, look into what's known as a retained death benefit option. I do have one more question because of that scenario. Um, what is the guarantee that a company is going to continue to make those payments? I mean, I'll answer that. Would... that. Oh, okay. Yes, sir. Do it. So I was going to say it's it's not a great scenario, but it it is kind of it is kind of a great scenario in the sense that if the if the entity that bought the policy two or three years down the road went insolvent, when you sign that contract to get that retained death benefit and get your assignment to your portion at the carrier. If for any reason that client can no longer maintain his his or her obligation to, to go forward, the policy reverts back to you. So that two or three years that you weren't making the premium payments, that's a gift, and you continue mm. to own the policy, and you can take it back onto the market again. So you kind of don't want that to happen, but in the back of your mind, you kind of do want it to happen. <laughs> yeah, uh, but, right, um, okay. But, 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 it's, but believe me, whenever – as Mark alluded to, and I've tried to, um, the buyers, the funds, if you will, they think of everything, every scenario known to man, because this isn't the first asset class they've been investing in. So they've seen all of these scenarios uh, rear their ugly heads and others, uh, and they just take extra precautions in this. But at the same time, the regulatory environment in our industry has been set up to protect both the consumer and the investor equally. Yeah. Uh, and I think that's what makes a good market. Absolutely. Well, gentlemen, I'm at the end of this podcast as I wrap it up, I'm going to tell people, you know, I'm going to ask people to share this podcast uh, because people need to know more about this, both advisors and individuals. Uh, so if advisors or individuals are listening to this and they're thinking, man, I've never heard of this. and I really want to talk about it. How do they reach you? What's the best way to get a hold of you? Um, yeah. As I mentioned earlier, uh, the first step in any life settlement appraisal is a phone call. Uh, call me in the office, call Rob in the office. We're going to ask you a few questions about how old your client is, their general health policy itself. And from that one phone call takes us two minutes. We can advise you on whether or not you're a potential fit for a life settlement. We can either even advise you on where we think a potential life settlement offer may come in at. Again, that's going to be a guesstimate because we don't know your client's life expectancy at that point in time. But on that phone call, two minutes, we can tell you, hey, you're a very good client for a potential life settlement appraisal. Here's maybe where an offer might come in at. That way you can go back and tell your client, hey, here's where a life settlement company may come in to purchase your policy. And from there, an application sent back to us, and then we go to work. It's a very simple process. Yeah, all I, all I would add to that is um, you, you never know until you try. So we, we, um, we're we in a situation now where clients that two or, I should say, 10 years ago, if you would have called and given a scenario, we'd have told you in, in less than 15 seconds that it's not going to work. And today, those policies sell all day, every day. So the market parameters have expanded. Uh, it's allowing people to sell life insurance policy as young as in their early 60s, and as Mark talked about as an example, and well into their 90s, uh, it just has to be a, a certain fit for the buyer. But at the end of the day, we're, we're willing to take that phone call and discuss uh, any possible cases you may have. Yeah, and the takeaway I would say is is this: you know, you you appraise your valuables, and we've mentioned this prior in the previous podcast. You appraise valuables like your real estate your stocks, your bonds, your jewels, whatever it is. Well, this is an asset, your life insurance. 
that can be appraised today and has real value today, opposed to just the benefit that can potentially be given to your beneficiaries down the road. All right, fantastic. So what's the number? You can reach me at 954-326-9378. And then our uh, toll-free number here in our office is 866-326-5433. And I'm at extension 1017. And Rob's extension is? N O six, but I'll just refer you to my phone number, cell number, which is one the one you can get me 24-7-365-954-599-4433. And I can attest to that because I called Rob uh, this morning at like 2 a.m. to see what should I wear for the podcast today. And he answered the phone. I did. <laughs> yeah. So that was perfect. Because he was still up. That, that's right. <laughs> Running still around. Still working. <laughs> Gentlemen, this has been fantastic. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you for all the information. I do want to ask one last question. What is coming up on the next few podcasts? Give, give the audience a little bit of a, a sneak peek of what you guys are going to be doing. I'll, uh, I'll start and then Mark, Mark finish. Uh, we're going to talk about uh, different types of life insurance policies that are kind of off the, the grid in terms of just what you talk flows out of your mouth when you discuss life insurance. Mainly, we're going to talk about guaranteed universal life policies, which right now are probably the easiest policies to sell. And what's great about them is there's we, we, we kind of remove one of the processes out of the equation, which is a collection of medical records in order to get a good offer and a good offer quickly. So we'll touch on that. And Mark? Yeah, and we're even going to try to get one of our clients, whether that's an advisor or a consumer direct that we've um, helped through this life settlement process, we'd like to share their story with you coming from their mouth directly to you so you can understand how a client in this environment did a life settlement from their standpoint and how they felt about the whole transaction. That is fantastic. I love when people bring guests onto the podcast, so I'm looking forward to it. Gentlemen, again, thank you so much for your time. Terrific. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Eric. You okay. bet. And the last thank you goes to you listening audience. Thank you so much for tuning in and listening to Unlocking the Hidden Value of Your Life Insurance with Mark Murky and Rob Haney. If you have not subscribed to the podcast yet, please click the subscribe now button below. This way when the guys come out with a new podcast, it'll show up directly on your listening device. And we humbly ask that you share this podcast, rate it and leave a review as this actually does help others find the show. And that's the important part. Other people need to find this show. So please share this far and wide. There are just too many people that don't understand this, don't know about it. And think about your parents, right? If they had the opportunity to get something for something that was worthless, but now it's worth something, how would it change their life or yours? Again, thank you so much for listening today. For everyone at Life Insurance Settlements Incorporated, this is Eric Johnson reminding you to live your best day every day. And we'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to Unlocking the Hidden Value of Your Life Insurance, the show that helps you unlock the hidden value of life insurance. Click the follow button to be notified when new episodes become available. Visit our website at www.lisettlements.com or give us a call at our office line at 866-326-5433, extension 1017. You can also directly contact Mark Murky at 954-326-9378 and Rob Haney at 954-599-4433.